This is a Federal News Network podcast. What if you could find the answer to any federal pay, benefits, or retirement question with just two clicks on OPM's website? Well, that's what the agency's chief information officer wants to achieve through a complete refresh of OPM.gov. But it's not just changes to the website that OPM's CIO shop has planned. Oh, no, no, no. But also internal technology and management changes. They're looking to better engage their hybrid workforce and retain early career employees. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman discusses details with OPM CIO Guy Cavallo in this excerpt. OPM.gov is really set up like a legacy government website in that it's structured around the actual organization and offices of OPM as an agency versus what somebody would want to look for. So, for example, maybe you're uh, you're an early career talent, you want to consider working for the federal government, and you think you could go to OPM.gov and easily see what the what the hiring process is. You'd have to know which OPM office is the one that does hiring to be able to find it. So we're really looking at at two types of modernization. One is a technology modernization. The other one's a content modernization. On the technology side, the current website is actually hosted on-premise in an OPM data center. So that means that we're limited by you know the current hardware capability to be able to deal with any surges or flexibility and also, you know, limited disaster recovery uh, in a failover time versus a cloud-hosted website where all of those things are automatic. So that will be, that'll be the under the hood that people won't realize it, but from an OPM standpoint, it's going to give us a much more resilient and elastic website able to deal with the future. We also will be changing and updating our content management solutions so that it's easier for us to update than the current program. So the technology side will be half of the project. The other half of the project is totally revamping the content. Uh, We're going to be very much in alignment with the executive orders on customer service. So, you know, when we look at who uses OPM, for example, we, we already are building user stories on, I'm a current federal employee and I want to look at my benefits or I want to look at what changes if I move to another agency. So there'll be a very clear path of, I'm a current federal employee, so I want to look for things that impact me. Then we also have federal retirees. We want to have them have a clear path. They are looking for very specific benefit information, not necessarily looking for a new federal job. But again, we want to take them on that path. Uh, And then the case I just mentioned, you know, a citizen that's interested in you know, should I consider federal employment? Even just how do I get started or what are the benefits or what are the pay scales? So again, we'll have a customer experience story for each of those. And those are you know three of the core functions. That's that right now, you would have to hop to multiple OPM program offices to get that information. So when we do this, uh, it's gonna be much, much more based around common customer experiences than just OPM's org structure. Are there certain areas of the website that get a lot of traffic or that you're kind of prioritizing to refresh first? What are the areas that most users are going to to find these answers? That's all part of the content refresh. And and of course, in the meantime, we're going to keep updating the current website until we're ready to switch over to this. You know, definitely we're, we're trying to improve those customer experiences today as much as we can. 
but until there's a really a, a complete restructuring, we can only take that so far. So again, I'll, I'll, around those three user experiences that I highlighted, those are those are the three heavy heaviest areas that we see traffic that we want to improve those you know as quickly as possible. And like any transition like this, we will most likely have the new website up running and still have part of the legacy website in the background. This is not something we're going to be able to throw a switch over a weekend and have everything done. That makes sense. I mean, it's a huge undertaking. You know, there's not going to be a set time, like you said, where there's going to be a switch. But do you have a sense of timeline of when users of OPM.gov might start seeing the outcomes or results of some of these changes? We are working on that right now on, you know, with the continuing resolution and not being able to do contracting. That is right now my longest hole in the tent is getting the right resources on board now that we have our full funding available. We can start that process, but I'm still going to need time to get contracts awarded. So it's not going to go as fast as I would like to happen just by, by those circumstances, but we're envisioning this is going to be you know, anywhere from an 18-month to a two-year period. But it's hard to tell when that starts until those contracts are awarded to actually be able to start. At OPM, there have been some challenges with retirement services. Are there any new tools that you guys are trying to work on to make that a little bit easier or a little bit more smooth or efficient for people who are looking to use those services? Retirement services is where most of my legacy technology is. So I've been working on improving that each uh, each year that I've been here. And yes, I'll be CIO in two years and a few months. First thing we fixed was the call center, which was a failing uh, on-premise call center with a cloud-based call center so that retirees wouldn't be dropped while they were trying to talk to a, a service agent. We're also building an online retirement uh, application which would replace a lot of the paperwork that people do. I mean, right now, when somebody decides to retire, they turn in paperwork to their own agency, and it gets processed there before it comes over to OPM. And that could take weeks or even months before it gets to OPM, but they think that OPM already has it. So from a federal employee standpoint, they're going to know where they are in the process. So we are uh, working hard on on building that system. We're also working on building new retirement calculator service because with this older workforce, a lot of the federal employees have not stayed in one agency their whole career. And in some cases, they've moved to an agency that is off of GS schedule and has a higher pay rate and then back to GS schedule. So the calculation of retirement is much harder today than it was probably in the 60s and 70s. So those are the first parts. And I understand in the omnibus appropriation, we were given additional millions of dollars to work on retirement services. Like I said, there's plenty there. Uh, most of the retirement services applications are currently on an on-premise mainframe. We are doing a study right now on what it will take to move that all to the cloud. So uh, yeah, improving retirement services is very high on my agenda and, and my team's agenda. I just wanted to kind of open it to you if there was anything else, any projects you're working on, any last word of advice, anything like that that you want to offer or feel like you didn't get a chance to say? 
my advice to other agencies that are holding off on moving to the cloud is that you know, the cloud's now 18 years old. How much longer are you going to wait? Again, I, I think the flexibility, the redundancy of the cloud, the elasticity of it, and getting the federal government out of the hardware boom-bust cycle of having to buy all new data centers every three, four, five years, it makes the most sense. And luckily, this is my third agency that I've been able to lead a cloud effort. And each time I found I've been able to do it with a very small team, it doesn't take an army. It just takes desire and rolling up the sleeves to do it. So again, I recommend people strongly look at the advantages of the cloud over keeping on-premise data centers as being the best way we can provide a, a really great customer experience for today's citizens and tomorrow's. OPM's Chief Information Officer Guy Cavallo speaking with Federal News Network's Drew Friedman. There's much more to the interview. Find it in its entirety at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I uh, One of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I I knew that I knew that work a bit. You know, they they basically were in direct care. And and I will say, and on a obviously we'll say about my my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are are really um, you know we we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're they're really heroes, and um, so I was I was drawn when I I and I just saw that you know Special Olympics was looking for someone, and I thought well you know take a look at it and see, see you know throw send in my information, and lo and behold I I, I get hired, and um, I learn uh, every day almost something from especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington D.C. and you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused, uh, has, a, has a good story. Like, it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, often when he'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is, you know, stressing me out. And come on, you know, like look at look at Terrell. Like he, he he faces everything with optimism, and 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 I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally. You see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents when they were born were often told this is a tragedy, and you should you should 
you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the stage or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a- the athletes of Special Olympics that, uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we get more than we give uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do. But but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a and it's so unique and it's so. Uh, joyful and and uh, I mean we work hard and you know we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day but uh man you see it, it and 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 the inclusion and the at special olympics no one's excluded you know no, right. no one's excluded everyone yeah. is equal at special olympics it, and you know in a country that's quite divided on so many lines politically and uh, socially uh, economically race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot, but you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved, everyone's welcome, everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics and experienced the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials. Uh, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, where people, and, and it doesn't have to be, uh, it's not just school age, it's, it's uh, you know, we say nine to 99 or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together, uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think when you, when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization and what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we 
that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences. And that our athletes, man, are some of the greatest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.